Hi folks, Pastor Russ here. Thank you for tuning in to hear this week's message. It is our prayer and our hope that this message will be an encouragement to you. And so we just want to say blessings to you as you listen to this week's message. We're going to do something a little bit kind of out in the ordinary here today, and we're going to have a children's message. And so in a moment here, I'm going to invite anybody in the children's ministry if you're that toddler through sixth grade range, I'm going to invite you to come join me here on the platform from this, uh, from this stage here. And I just wanted to ask um, that as they come forward, that we as a congregation would sing a very, very familiar tune, Jesus Loves Me. So as we sing, kids, you can come forward, all right? Jesus loves Right. Get a few more coming up here. Hi. We have an empty manger, guys. Why is it empty? It's not born yet, right? That's why we call this the Advent season because we are expectantly waiting Jesus to show up. So I got a couple questions for you guys this Christmas. Um, one is... What is maybe one of the most exciting things for you about Christmas? Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. Well, at that point, that kind of trumps everybody's answer, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So anybody else, one of the most exciting things about Christmas for you? Anybody want to share? Yeah. Presents. Presents. Of course. Presents. Anyone else? Yes. Um, Jesus. Jesus again. All right. Somebody had their hand up. Did you have one? One of the most exciting things about Christmas. Family. That's a good one. Family. So I have another question for you guys. If I were to ask you, what does the word hope mean? The word hope. How would you describe hope to somebody? Any guesses? Any guesses? When you hear the word hope, what, what do you think of? Your duck. You got rid of it. <laughs> so was this hope for the duck or was this hope for you? Oh, you were hoping that it would live. Okay, now you cannot laugh. You cannot laugh now. Now, any other thoughts? When hope comes to mind, what do you think of? Yes. Well, family again, because about Jesus made the family 
Okay, so you think of your family because Jesus, Jesus gave you your family. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I want to just bring out a couple of items here that I think kind of fit the Christmas season, okay? How many of you have seen this guy before? Okay, you've never seen him? Okay, how many of you recognize this scene? Familiar? What do we got going on here? Okay, Jesus being born, we got the nativity scene. Okay, you guys, we see these scenes at Christmas all the time. Okay, you see, look how jolly this guy looks. Doesn't he look happy? Okay, and, and then you got this scene over here. They all look real happy and peaceful. I mean, on the outside, there's a lot of things going on here. A lot of joy, of excitement. You'd think there's a lot of hope, right? Especially with this guy. He looks really, really happy, like he's got a lot of hope in his life. Well, here's the thing. This is what I want to tell you guys today, that even in this season where, where there's a lot of joy and there's presence and we get together with family and we, we recognize the birth of Christ, some people, even though on the outside, they look like they've got a lot of joy and they're really excited and they're happy, on the inside, they lack hope. And they just, they don't have anything lifting them up. But the thing about people that have Christ in their life, see, the Bible says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Christ in us is the hope of glory. So that means if you have Christ in your heart, if you have Christ in your life, you have hope. And what that does is that lifts you up, right? Because I have Christ in my life, right? So here's the thing. Lots of people can walk around and they can look like they're really happy, but they're missing true hope in their life. The importance to remember, guys, this Christmas season is that it's Christ in us the hope of glory. He came, he came to this manger so that he could bring hope into our life. And that's what I want to share with you guys today. I want to tell you something. After service today, we have a bunch of these balloons, okay? And we want to send you home with your own nativity balloon, okay? So you can remember that it's Christ who brings hope, okay? It's going to be filled with helium. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay, at, right after the service, it'll be back by the missions wall. Okay, they'll have balloons for you. All right? Okay. Hey, let's pray to close. Okay, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the blessed hope that you bring into our lives, the presence of Christ and how it lifts us up. Help us to see that there's people that, even though they may look happy on the outside, they need hope on the inside. Help us to pray for people and encourage people with the love of Jesus. And we thank you for this now, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, this is what you want me to tell them. The people 
Your people who have lived in dark exile all these many years with their, their backs up against some Babylonian wall. It was one thing when you had me tell the king that a, a virgin would give birth. Go back to sleep, my dear. I'm talking to God. Is he listening? What do you mean, is he listening? Well, are you listening to him? You see what I mean, Lord? Even my own wife questions me. Now, you are God Almighty. You do what you want to do. But you want me to tell the people that Messiah is going to be just uh, some plain fellow like one of us? That he's going to suffer? He's going to die? Why not Moses to lead us out of exile? Or, uh, or King David, the mighty warrior, not some tiny li little... Ah, uh, where is the oil for the lamp? It's where it always is. Uh, ah, this is what I'm talking about, Lord. We are a people in darkness, stumbling around, stubbing our toe on the sin of the world. Uh, we need a mighty rescuer. Uh, we need, uh, we need a savior, not some tiny little. Huh. Such a tiny flame. And the whole room is filled with light. I am a man of unclean lips. Forgive me, Lord. I will tell them what you have shown me, even if I don't understand it. I will trust you, good Lord, in your own good time to, to bring us uh, Emmanuel, to bring us light and hope. Yeah. Light and hope. I'm coming back to bed. clip, light and hope, this manger, this small child thinking what significance is in the birth of Christ, light and hope. My uh, message today is one of the last in this gift exchange series we've been doing. Week one, 
We talked about how we give him our worry and he gives us peace. And then we talked the next week that we, we come to him with our grief and he brings us a joy. And um, this week I want to talk about how we bring him our despair and he brings us hope. And so I don't know if you noticed behind me, but we have peace and joy and hope as kind of the key words through this Advent season. But you'll see at the end of my message how all of this just works together and how the Holy Spirit's at work through these three things, peace, joy, and hope, and how significant that is for our lives. Before I give this message today, I want to take a moment to pray together and just ask that the Lord would prepare our hearts to receive from him. So will you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Father, we thank you so much for the word of God and how you speak into our hearts and lives. And Father, how you desire a relationship with us. You desire to bring hope into our lives. And Lord, today we lift this time of worship as we dig into the word of God and we ask that you'd prepare our hearts to receive and respond. And we thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I need you to go to two different passages. Okay, The first one is going to go to Lamentations. That's the book we're going to, to start. So Lamentations is in the Old Testament. If you go Isaiah, Jeremiah, then Lamentations. Those are a couple big books, and then you hit that small one there with Lamentations. If you've hit Ezekiel, you've gone too far. Go back one book, and you'll be at Lamentations. The other book we're going to be in is Romans. And so those are our two books, Lamentations and Romans. And just relax, we're not reading through all of both of those books, okay? We're just taking passages from, from each of those. But the first passage is Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 21. Lamentations 3, starting in verse 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because we're about to receive something that should give us hope. Let's keep reading. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail, and they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Now some translations right there say, I have hope in him. And before we move on, I just want to tell you, there's times in the scriptures where waiting and hoping are almost interchangeable in the translation of the scriptures. Therefore I will wait or I will have hope in him. Verse 25. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. With my message entitled, we give our despair and we in return receive his hope. There's something that's taking place in the midst of this that is very difficult for all of us. 
and it's waiting. How many of you are really good at waiting? Got some patient people out there just by show of hands? Just curious? Okay, nobody raised their hand. This message is going to be good. So, and I'll try to make it short since nobody's patient. Okay? One of the hardest things that we can do in life is wait. Can anybody relate to that? If there's one thing we probably hate more than anything else, it's waiting. It's waiting. It does not help that we live in a microwave culture where we can get anything we want within a matter of moments, whether it's fast food, Amazon Prime, right, high-speed internet. You can get your groceries ahead of time and just pull up and get them loaded in. I mean, this is the culture we live in. The list could go on and on, and not only are we catering to our needs in this culture, but we also cater to our wants and our preferences and our convenience at a moment's notice. That's the culture we live in. And we get bugged when we have to wait. You could sit at a stoplight, and if it's not changing at the pace that you want, how many of you start to get a little bit anxious? Okay? Right. Have you ever heard the American prayer, Lord, give me patience, and I want it now? Patience is not a virtue that our society seems to favor. Our motto is, give it to me quickly or forget about it. Waiting is one of the hardest parts of the Christian life, waiting. And you can maybe think of things in your life that you've waited for or maybe things in your life that you're waiting for. And I just... Look back into the Old Testament and you see these scriptures of people who were waiting for the Messiah to show up. They were prophesying about this Messiah. And it took years, years. Let's just kind of unfold the map, if you will, the timeline of the history of faith. God created this world roughly 6,000 years ago. Adam and Eve fall and sin enters into the equation. You wait 2,000 years and Abraham, Abraham is called. That's a long time. I mean, we just flip a few pages and we're there. But 2,000 years? That's a long wait. Wait another 500 years and then you get the Ten Commandments. 2,500 years after this world was created. Wait another 400 years and you have King David being anointed. Wait another 300 years and you have Isaiah prophesying about this coming child who'd be born of a virgin. Then wait another 400 years and you hear from the last Old Testament prophet Malachi. And then how about 400 years of silence, waiting, waiting. But then Jesus enters into the scene. And Galatians chapter 4 tells us that when the right time came, 
God sent his son. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, and God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. 4,000 years kind of seems like a long time. But the Bible says, at the right time, God sent his son. The long-awaited Savior came at the right time. Imagine the waiting and the waiting and the waiting. Psalm 62 verse 5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. You can see how these are almost interchangeable, the the hoping and the waiting that comes with it. And Psalm 38, 15 says, But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. Just kind of in this moment here, just honest question, by show of hands, how many of you are in need of an answer to prayer? And my hand is up. I, I need one. How many of you, by show of hands, need an answer to prayer? Okay? Just take a moment. Keep them up and just kind of look around the room. Okay? You're not alone. You're not alone as you wait and as you hope. And we can encourage each other in the waiting room. We can come alongside and lift each other up. How many of you have ever had those waiting room connections? You're sitting in the chair and all of a sudden you get to know the person next to you and you probably wouldn't have known them had you not been in the waiting room. There's something that God wants to do in the waiting room. Bill Hybels writes, regarding an answer from God, he says, if the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says, grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says, go. And I want to break each of these down because that can be, oh, look at that statement. That's so nice. But I want to break this down for a second. If the request is wrong, God says, no. How many of you know you've asked for something that probably wasn't the best for you? Okay? If the request is wrong, God says, no, no, I've got something better for you. If I gave this to you, you wouldn't have the better that I could give you. James says, we ask with the wrong motives. Okay, Sometimes we just flat out ask wrong, and God says, no. The other one on timing, that's pretty self-explanatory, but God's timing is perfect. 
Earlier I just read, at just the right time, he sent his son into this world. At just the right time, God will move into your circumstance and situation. But that kind of comes down to trust, doesn't it? There's a trust component that comes along with that. The other part is, if God says grow because you are wrong, let me break that down for you. Again, we talked about the wrong motives that we can bring to the table when we're praying, but I just want to tell you something. Scripture's pretty clear that if you're not living in the will of God, your prayers are likely going to go unanswered. If you're choosing to live in flat-out disobedience, you know you're in sin, and you're just like, you know what, it's my life, I'm going to do whatever I want, your prayer life will be hindered. And until you grow out of that, don't expect your prayers to get answered. Sometimes we have to do a little bit of heart-checking if we feel like our prayers aren't getting answered. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says go. If I just sum this down, boil it down into one simple, simple phrase, if it's in God's will. Because at that point, you're asking right, the timing's right, and you're in the right place spiritually. Then you're in God's will. When we sit in the waiting room of God because our request is wrong, our timing is wrong, or we are wrong, that can be a very difficult place to be, though, to wrestle through that and work through that and ask, ask a lot of questions, have doubts even through that. That can be a very difficult season, but don't ever lose sight that if we're not getting the answer that we desire, God is still up to something. He's still at work and in my midweek email, I quoted John Ortberg, and I said, what God does in us while we wait is as important as what we are waiting for. What God does in us is as important as what we're waiting for. Let me give you an example. Here's where you go to Romans now, okay? We were in Lamentations. Go to Romans. So you're rolling towards the New Testament. If you hit Acts... You're getting closer. The next book would be Romans. We're going to go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses 2 through 5, but on the screen you're going to see a, a, a breakdown, a step-by-step -step of what can happen in somebody's life when they sort of walk through sometimes the, the trials, the struggles, the tribulations, the waiting. There's something God does in us when we're in that waiting room, when we're in that period of time that can be very difficult. Romans 5 says, Through Jesus we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. So that means when I'm in the waiting room of God, 
as I continue to endure and stick through it, God develops something in me, and one of those things that he develops is hope. Waiting and hope kind of go hand in hand. That verse goes on to say, hope does not put us to shame. This is a good kind of hope. Some people might mock this kind of hope, like it's a fairy tale, kind of, yeah, like God's going to show up for you and those kind of things. That's the voice of the enemy. Satan would love to tell you that God's not going to show up for you, that you don't, you don't have to trust him, try to do it yourself, or maybe he'll cause you to doubt his word. Did he really say this? Can I stand on this? He can pick away at that stuff, which eventually leads to him rendering you without hope. If you go with me a few more chapters to Romans 8, the thing is, is we're going to walk through things in this life that are very difficult and just beat us up. Can anybody relate to that? Romans 8, verse 22. I told you that, you know, 6,000 years ago, Adam and Eve fell and sin enters the equation. And so now this burden, this sin curse, the presence of sin in this world, it's still here. And we still wrestle with that. And Romans 8, verse 22, Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. And I want to stop right there for a second. What Paul is talking about is that as you and I, as believers, when we're saved, God gives us the Holy Spirit to come and live in our life, okay? And the Holy Spirit who lives in us, the Bible says we're groaning inwardly as we await that moment where we get to go to heaven, and we're no longer in the presence of sin, and where there's no longer sickness or suffering or waiting, as far as I need to be healed or I need this circumstance to go my way. I mean, in heaven, it's the presence of God and no presence of sin. Isn't that something to hope for and get excited about? Let me break down some verses to you that describe heaven as our hope. Several of them come from Titus. Chapter 1, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, he's promised before the ages began. Titus 2, speaking about the Lord's return, Scripture calls this the blessed hope. We're waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 3, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Colossians 1, faith and love that spring from the hope that's stored up for you in heaven. 
Heaven is something we can look forward to. That's something to hope for. So as we walk through the trials and tribulations of this life, here's the thing. Sometimes in life, people get sick and then they die. It happens. But here's the thing. This is what separates a believer from somebody who doesn't have hope. They get to go to heaven to be in the presence of God without the presence of sin. That's something to hope for and to look forward to. And none of that would have been available to us if Christ had not come to this earth to die for you and me, to take our sin upon himself so that we might have eternal life. That's hope. Paul says that when you lose somebody to death, and they were a follower of Christ, he says that we, we don't grieve as people who don't have hope because you know you're gonna see that person again. It still is a difficult thing to walk through, but what keeps you going is the hope of seeing them again. The hope of heaven is a very real thing. And here's the thing, I'm pulling all this out from the scriptures, from the word of God. It's not like, well, I, I hope this is true. It's like I'm giving it to you straight from the word that you can have this hope, you can have this assurance. And the other thing is, is I'm just so thankful for how God's word gives us hope, gives us hope. Romans 8, if you... Uh, Look here in verses, I have that, I think, wrong, 24 and 25. I'm finishing that up. 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. But then he says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait for it. Patiently, patiently. And how many of you are thankful to have God's word when you're in the waiting room? Yeah. I mean, if you were in the waiting room and you just sat there for an hour and nobody was coming out saying, hey, it'll be just another 15 minutes or so, or, you know, there's some peace in that, right? Well, here's the thing. While you're in the waiting room, God can continue to speak to you while you're still, there's an encouragement in that. Romans 15, verse 4 says that for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance that's taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. If you're in a season of despair, if you're in a season of waiting, go to God's word. There you'll find encouragement, and you'll find endurance. So in Romans 15, there's a verse there that kind of takes this series and pieces it all together. Verse 13, the Bible says, may the God of hope, doesn't say the God who has hope, he's the God of it. God of hope, may he fill you with all joy and peace and 
as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May God give you peace and joy, and in the midst of all that, may you overflow with hope as you trust in him. There's a faith component to this, a moment where you have to choose, am I going to lean in and trust him? And if you do that with all your weight, if you lean in, God's going to give you peace. He's going to give you joy, and he's going to give you an overflowing hope. Galatians 4, again, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman. The long-awaited Savior came at the right time. We have a short video we want to show you.
the definition of despair is the complete loss and the long expected Jesus came to bring hope perhaps you're in a waiting room today and in our response to this message of hope we're just going to share in a time of worship and prayer I saw all the hands at the beginning of this message I think now is a time where we can come together and we can lift these things to the Lord ask the Lord to move into these circumstances move upon them as we wait together but we come with an expectation that God can do something and we have a hope and so in a moment here the, the worship team is going to lead us and the prayer team is going to come forward and if there's elders and Pastor Lance would come forward as well Pastor Paul and we'll be up here to pray with people as we worship together lifting each other's burdens the things we're walking through as we wait together we lift these up with hope together but perhaps as you're sitting here today and I talked about how Christ is the starting point for having hope in your life and you're sitting here today and and you you know he's not a part of the equation we want to make sure that you have that opportunity to receive him into your life today and so in a moment we're gonna close with prayer and if you know I need Christ and you're leaning in I want to encourage you to pray with me to receive him today will you bow your heads guys with me as we pray together God of hope we come to you as as people who struggle with patience we struggle with waiting and oftentimes it makes us want to just give up but Lord in this moment of of faith and this moment of hope we we're gonna come before you and we're gonna lift our requests to you and ask God that you would move in the midst of our circumstances Father, I pray for any heart here today that does not have you in their life. And I pray, Lord, that this moment, this moment of grace, these individuals would pray to receive you into their life. And if that's you listening right now, I just ask that you'd pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, I want your hope. And I ask that you'd come into my life and live in my heart. I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I need salvation. I need to be saved, otherwise I'm going to live without purpose headed for hell 
but today I confess my sin to you and I repent, which means to change the way that I live and move in a new direction. So Jesus, come and live in my heart and make me a new person. And today, by faith, I choose hope. I choose peace. And I choose joy because I choose Jesus. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And the future I can have because of what you've just done in my heart and life. Thank you for this gift. Father, for those who have just prayed with me, I ask that you would make this very real. Lord, that they would walk forward in this new relationship. They would continue to get plugged into the Bible and, and hearing from you, get engaged with the, this church. If you're not from here, get engaged with the church that's alive that preaches the word. Help them to grow, Lord. We thank you for this new life today. And in this sacred moment with every head bowed, eye closed, if you prayed that prayer of salvation with me this morning, I just anyone at all, just simply lift your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anyone else? Thank you. Father, thank you for this recognition of new life. Lord, as we worship you and we bring our hearts together in prayer, I pray you'd meet us in this time. Meet us with your hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for watching this week's message. It is our heart to follow up with people if they've responded to something that God did in that message. One thing we want to note is if you just gave your life to Christ and you prayed that prayer at the end to receive Him into your life, we want to send you this free resource called Now What? And this is a journal that comes with the Bible, and it's designed to help you grow and take the next steps in your faith journey. If you're interested in receiving this free resource, we encourage you to simply reach out and connect with us here at the bottom of the screen. You'll see you can email us or you can send us a text message. Simply text BELIEVE to the number that you see here on the screen. We want to get this into your hands so that you can grow in your faith. And it's our heart here at Faith Community Church to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Thanks for watching. For absence of hope.